It's Monday, November 16th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Mr. Bill Barker. Good to see you. Good to be here. Uh, we have deals in the banking industry. We've got deals in home improvement. But for the second Monday in a row, we have promising news on the vaccine front. Last week, it was Pfizer. Today, it is Moderna. Phase three study results showing that Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine is effective at a rate of 94.5%. Shares of Moderna, not surprisingly, up 8% and hitting a new high today. Yeah, just uh, cue up the discussion from last Monday uh, about this. And um, we can sub in that everything uh, from the Moderna side is a little bit better even uh, than the Pfizer news that is. The ninety-four point five percent is, in a in a sense, uh, very very uh, accurate down to the decimal point, and Pfizer only went as far as you know somewhere above ninety percent. So ninety-four point five sounds a little bit better. More importantly, is the uh, storage temperature that it appears that Moderna uh, can be transported and and maintained, which is not at the extremely low, close to zero Kelvin temperatures that I think the the Pfizer uh, requires. Yeah, that was interesting to see last week in the wake of the initial news. It was like, oh my goodness, the you know the efficacy rate is so great for Pfizer. Then you start getting into the nitty gritty, and you. You're like, wait, how how low is the temperature that this needs to be stored at, and how is that going to work? And CEO of FedEx had to come out and talk about the uh, cold storage facilities they have around the country. So, um, as you said, with Moderna, uh, the the storage um, much more um, much more widely available, <laughs> uh, not requiring sort of special deep cold units like uh, FedEx has. Um, although it, it, it's interesting, uh, you know, you, you talk about the the efficacy rate being higher from Moderna. Um, and just like last Monday, we are seeing ripple effects across the market. Even though the news is arguably better with Moderna, the ripple effects that we're seeing are not as big. Um, we are seeing the cruise line stocks up and the airline stocks up. They're just not up to the degree that they were last week. Um, we're seeing the stay-at-home stocks down, but only down a little bit, which uh, across the board just seems much more reasonable. Well, the prices uh, had made those adjustments last week up and down, um, depending on the sector, uh, airlines and cruises up. So, to then bump up again, uh, you're, you're working off of a higher starting point. So, uh, today feels like uh, less of a game changer, uh, but more good news. And, and really, the sequence of the news, uh, if, if this had come out first and Pfizer had come out second, this probably this Pfizer would, would really not get the same uh, legs that it got because of those uh, more uh, tricky implementation, storage, and distribution um, issues that it's going to have. But really, these aren't competitors. These are uh, going to be complements to each other. Neither company is going to be able to produce the virus at the capacity that is needed in the immediate uh, future, uh, even if everything is fully um, gets the green light. Uh, this is still interim data. It's excellent interim data, but it's worth you know uh, mentioning that it, interim data is not the same as, as final data. So, it all looks great. Uh, this is 
more good news and i think it's needed because the implementation of the pfizer uh both production and rollout um is is tricky and neither one can give everybody around the world uh the you know the vaccination that they need by the end of next year there are other um vaccines including johnson johnson which we're still waiting to hear about so it's it's going to be a lot of different companies that contribute to the solution here were it not for the moderna news this would probably be an entirely merger focused show uh so let's move on to that portion uh we'll start with simon property group which is the largest mall operator in the u.s Simon Property buying Taubman Centers, one of its rivals, and shares of both of them are up 7-8% on the news. I, do you think they're both up 7-8% on the news if we didn't also have the Moderna vaccine uh, information that we got? Because it seems like some portion of the rise that we're seeing has to be fueled by the Moderna news, right? Well, yes, uh, given the timing, of course, this is a deal that was uh, agreed to, and I'm going to put that in air quotes for a moment, back in February, the price uh, being in the uh, 50s and now now down to 42. In What happened in between February and now? Well, things changed. Things changed for malls. And uh, I'm sure that without having gone through the... Uh, contract language, Simon uh, Property felt that there was something uh, in the agreement that gave them cover to back out entirely or to reduce the price. Uh, Taubman saw it very much the other way. They were going to start litigation about this today. Uh, so, this was one of those settlements, uh, probably uh, with the encouragement of the court, why don't you guys settle this, okay? And before coming into court and spending uh, all of your money and time uh, on this, uh, since you want this to happen, go figure it out amongst yourselves rather than uh, involve a court. And they did. And uh, that announcement preceded the Moderna announcement. So I don't think that there would have been you know, quite this move, but it, it still is better for both companies to be on the same page, to be working together than working against each other. And as you said, even if Taubman Centers is taking, uh, let's just ballpark it, a 20% cut to what they had agreed upon in February, as you said, it, it probably better than hacking away at each other in court. Yeah, Taubman, the family is going to maintain uh, an ownership of the Taubman uh, subsidiary, so it's in their interest, ongoing interest, uh, that there be uh, a successful operation of their namesake. And I think that uh, you know it's it's going to be the the challenges for malls are not going to go away the day that everybody is vaccinated. Um, but I think that uh, Simon is an extremely strong operator. It's got uh, a number of. Uh, sort of world-class properties, including the one that I most frequently am on Christmas Eve doing my last-minute shopping in uh, King of Prussia, uh, Pennsylvania, at the world-famous King of Prussia Mall. Uh, so, uh, good luck keeping that around, because hopefully in uh, 2021, I'm going to need you again. You're not going to be road-tripping on Christmas Eve this year? I, I sense that's going to be a bad idea. Uh you know, what about you? you? You probably do your Christmas shopping a little bit earlier than December 24th. 
Uh, I do. And when I do last minute uh, Christmas Eve shopping, it's usually in Old Town, Alexandria. I'm not not that hitting the road for King Mm. of Prussia. Uh, That's where my family is. So that's why I'm I'm already home. And yeah, I'm not going all the way to King of Prussia and back from here. (laughs) It would be a nice road trip, though. Uh, Have you made that road trip? I-95 between here and Philly? That's not a nice road trip. It's, 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 yeah. yeah. There aren't right. many great sections of 95 for, there aren't a lot of songs written about I 95 being a great road trip experience. That's true. That's true. Definitely songs about the Jersey Turnpike, not so much about I 95. Yeah. Um, Home Depot reports Tuesday morning, but they're making news today with the acquisition of HD Supply. This is an $8 billion deal, uh, shares of HD supply up more than 20%, but Home Depot up a little bit too, which that to me is always a signal that uh, it's a win-win and that Home Depot isn't breaking the bank to make this deal. No, I can't. It's hard for me to piece together exactly how the today's price compares to the price at which, because HD Supply was part of Home Depot. It started out as a uh, a different company, rebranded uh, uh, HD Supply, then was spun off uh, in I think two thousand and seven ish when uh, Home Depot wanted to reacquire some of its shares. And so it sold off uh, HD Supply to get the money to make that happen. And so uh, they're remarrying it, but it's at quite a higher price. Um, but HD Supply has has bought some things and let some things go and and invested some money and paid down some debt. So uh, I think it, it, look, if you look over what uh, Home Depot has done the last decade, you're probably pretty happy that it was buying back its shares uh, in 2007. Right, and as you and I were talking about this morning, this uh, this initial deal back in two thousand seven, this is in the wake of what we like to call the Bob Nardelli era, because if you're an investor uh, who's relatively new to the markets, if you've only been uh, paying attention to the stock market for let's just call it five years, if you've only been a shareholder of Home Depot for five years, you may not be aware of the fact that there was a stretch of time earlier in this century when this was a horribly run company. And much cleanup had to happen in the wake of former CEO Bob Nardelli. And, uh, you know, this, this was one of the ripple effects of that. Um, it, as you said, it, it made sense at the time in terms of repurchasing the shares. And, uh, you know, even if they are paying a little bit, higher than they want to for this. Uh, it seems to make sense. So, yeah, they maybe had their hand forced by Lowe's coming out, uh, Lowe's being the company which had sort of in the uh, Nardelli era sort of not superseded Home Depot in terms of size of the company, but in terms of shareholder rewards, it was doing much better during that era than Home Depot. Um, go 10, 12 years ahead. Uh, Home Depot is, has now been the superior uh, performing c- company for quite a while. Uh, but uh, Lowe's last week was in the news, rumored to be interested in buying HD Supply. And um, much like uh, my dogs, I think I have one dog that just will not let the other dog 
receive any attention. As soon as the as soon as Winnie is getting any attention, Owen moves right in and makes sure that he is getting all the scratches that that otherwise would go to Winnie. And I think that Ohm Depot sort of saw this uh, move by Lowe's to uh, pet HD Supply a little bit and said, No, 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 no. That we're we're the ones, <laughs> we're the ones who are. You can't take. This is HD Supply. Why do you think it's called HD Supply? Home Depot, Home Depot Supply. That they used to be part of us. Nobody else can have this one. That really would have been embarrassing. You know, I know embarrassing doesn't necessarily show up on the balance sheet, but that really would have been embarrassing if Lowe's bought HD Supply. It would be an improvement on balance sheets, though. Like embarrassment. You know, it could be a a line item. And it could encapsulate sort of write downs and things like that. I, li- I like your idea. You need to run with it. Uh, well, and the other thing about it, uh, now that I'm just thinking out loud about embarrassment as a line item, it could apply both to acquisitions uh, as well as executive behavior. Sure, sure. That can cost you quite a bit. Often, the executive behavior that uh, gets an executive shown the door costs quite a bit because you got to nevertheless somehow for some reasons known only to those deeply embedded in American capitalism it still costs you tens of millions of dollars to fire somebody for cause but that's a that's a topic for the next time that that happens which I'm sure will sometime soon Probably. Uh, We'll wrap up with a company I don't think we have ever talked about in the nearly 10-year history of this podcast, and that is BBVA, the Spanish financial group. Uh, BBVA has agreed to sell its U.S. business to PNC Financial Services for $11.5 billion. Uh, This you know, shares of BBVA um, are up uh, to a nice healthy margin. PNC up a little bit as well. This really bumps up PNC Financial's profile, both in terms of the now hundreds of new branches in the U.S. Uh, across uh, you know most major markets. Um, it also gives them a hundred billion dollars under management on top of what they already have. So um, this seems like a win-win type of deal that BBVA gets to uh, gets a nice healthy check and they get to uh, refocus on their core market and PNC um, buys some growth. Yeah, PNC more or less funded this with its sale back in May, I think, of its share of uh, Blackstone. And so, that was something that it had, uh, or BlackRock, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, and something that it had had for a couple decades. Uh, and so, that money uh, was sitting around waiting to get used uh, at the right time. Uh, they are at a relative position of strength to the acquisition. BBVA, I think, was down uh, the European markets approximately 60% uh, from its highs earlier in the year. Uh, PNC down only about 20%. So it's able to, you know, buy something that is a little bit more uh, in need uh, of, of cash and shoring up uh, for the rest of its operations and probably the uh, they probably both feel like they they got a pretty good price compared to their alternatives. So I, you know, credit to PNC, which has a history of good capital allocation, uh, significantly 
outperforming uh, the banking stocks really over any meaningful uh, period that you want to measure. You would hope they'd be good at capital allocation, wouldn't you? I mean, they're in the banking business. I mean, I, look, I know we talk about particularly the CEO needs to be a good capital allocator, regardless of industry. You would really hope they're better than the average bear when they're in the banking industry. You would hope, but I don't know if you can remember back to 2008, 2009, there was a lot of bad capital allocation going on (laughs) by banks. Uh, It's uh, not a given that banks will allocate capital intelligently uh, or manage risk well. And, uh, you know, PNC, I don't remember them showing up in the large string of catastrophes and near catastrophes and banks that needed to be bought by somebody else at you know at three in the morning um, you know on a Sunday that kind of thing so they emerged stronger from all that hullabaloo than a lot of the competition because they were uh, a more uh, rationally run operation and they continue to be today you just reminded me of the very, very good HBO movie uh, adaptation of Aaron Ross Sorkin's book, Too Big to Fail, uh, for anyone who has HBO streaming. That is that is two hours well spent. That is a really well done movie about uh, what happened during the financial crisis. And as you indicated, yeah, the middle of the night phone calls, the, the early morning uh, meetings, trying to figure out how the banks are going to collectively help one another by taking on enormous amounts of debt. Uh, yes, fortunately, you know the latest catastrophe hasn't uh, involved in any sort of collapsing banks. In in part, to the conservative um, nature uh, that was imposed uh, coming out of uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, through number of regulations, uh, some of which have been revisited. But uh, you know the banks, although their stock prices have obviously not been. Uh, good performers this year, uh, because largely interest rate related. But um, you know, they've they've been sound. They've they're not the things that need bailing out. Bill Barker, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.